Sharkoff, your host of Film Wax. It's Friday, April 14th, 2023, and this is episode number 760 of the podcast. And I have the great pleasure of sitting across from producer of Film Wax now and at least Friday edition. <laughs> Co-producer. Jen is busy. She couldn't be here, but glad to have you. And um, we're here at the... Uh, World-renowned Epicurean. <laughs> yeah. That's and that's a good way to put. What's the room now? What are we well, calling? The, last week it was the shoe box. This Is it week. the Kleenex box to this? <laughs> anyway, we are here in lovely Rhinecliff. It is hot as blazes outside. For sure, unseasonably hot. One could argue beyond. I mean, it's not unusual that there would be snow on uh, April fourteenth yeah. in past years. Here we're dealing with close to ninety degree temperatures. Yeah, last Friday morning, I think it was twenty eight degrees. Is that right? Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and how was your week, uh, Matt? Uneventful. Uneventful. Oh, that's always good. It's a pot. That's all. I was in the city all week. Oh, okay. What was it about pot? You smoked? What? No, it wasn't about that. Oh, okay. Just sorry. Un- uneventful and it was hot. Oh, hot. I'm sorry. I thought you said pot. That makes much more sense. Well, it's Jen Hamoud making a cameo. Stop. <laughs> How was your week? It's good. Yeah, week is good. Yeah. yeah, it was a good week. It was a nice week. I mean, it's so be- it's so beautiful outside. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. Everyone's just like smiling, and it's summer. It's summer in mid-April. Too it's hot. Not natural. It might be a. Li- it's a little too much. I'm not really worried about things like a frost coming through. Although it's possible, we could definitely get below freezing at sure. some point again mm-hmm. overnight. For one, sure. You know, it's not. I was saying it before you walked in. It's not unusual. That on April 14th, <laughs> that's so true. That it, there might be snow on the ground. Yes. Or we might expect a big dump of snow. Although you know? I, I think it's safe to turn the outside hoses on now. Yeah. To, to oh, I see. The gardening yeah. show. I'm with you. <laughs> All right. Well, this is uh, again episode number 760. That's it. Yeah. And uh, we're here at Radio Free Rhinecliffe with producers Matt and Jen. Thank you. And uh, I'm going to test, I guess it's time to talk about this episode. I put it off as long as I could. There's no more <laughs> delaying no more than the inevitable. This is really is, I know I've said this before, but ignore all the past. This is going to be a good show. <laughs> this one. And I have two outstanding filmmakers. Mm-hmm. They're both returning, by the way. So they're Excellent. part of the Film Wax family, if you will. One is Nathaniel Kahn, who wasn't on that long ago. But 20 years ago, and before, way before I started this show... Nathaniel made a documentary called My Architect, which was really about the relationship he had with his late father, the famous architect, Louis Kahn. Oh. And it's a classic. I mean, people love this. And so it's 20 years later. They restored it. It's on the Criterion Channel. Just had a week-long uh, theatrical, re-theatrical, whatever mm-hmm. you call it, at the Film Forum in New York City. And um, I invited Nathaniel on to talk about the film 20 years later. And we had, I think, one of the, these, this is exactly why I do the show. We have this nice, long, nuanced, and even when we turn the mic on, we continue to talk, and I'm like, why did we bother turning it off? <laughs> <laughs> I 
But Nathaniel is a warm guy. He's a super talented filmmaker. And um, it was great to have him on. And the film is is absolutely worth watching. If you have any opportunity to see My Architect, I really recommend it. Uh, and by the way, I'm just going to say you can get a free trial, a, a week-long free trial on the Criterion channel if you don't have a subscription. Because I know everything costs, but they have such great stuff on there. Well, because of you, I now have Criterion. Oh, you do? I actually, I, you know. Oh, it's yeah, fantastic. It's fan- it is fantastic. Off mic, give me the log and then we'll. I'm kidding. <laughs> I have like the Criterion collection at home, so it's well, like go. it's not worth almost not worth. But what's stressful or not stressful, what's disturbing is that I had a copy of Mike Architect. I have no idea what happened to it. <laughs> so I don't know. Might got to get a new copy of that since it's been restored. Maybe that that's worth the, getting another copy. So Louis Kahn, uh, who died in 1974, was one of the greatest architects of the 20th century, creating a handful of buildings that, in the words of the L.A. Times, change your life. But he left behind an illegitimate son, Nathaniel, and a personal life of secrets and broken promises. My architect takes us on a heartbreaking yet humorous journey as Nathaniel attempts to reconnect with his deceased father. The riveting narratives takes us from the men's room in Penn Station, where Khan died bankrupt and alone, to the bustling streets of Bangladesh and the inner sanctums of Jerusalem politics, as well as through unforgettable encounters with the world's most celebrated architect, like Nathaniel went and found Philip John. I mean, all the I am pay, all these mm-hmm. icons who are still alive 20 years ago. They're all gone now, of course. And then we'll talk to Catherine Hardwick, who's also returning to the uh, podcast. But first, we're going to go to my conversation with uh, documentary filmmaker Nathaniel Kahn here on Film Wax. Lou was the most beloved architect of our time. All my buildings don't add up to his three or four buildings. Three or four masterpieces more important, 50, 60 buildings. Lou was a breath of fresh air. My first works came out of my reverence for him. I didn't know my father very well. He never married my mother, and he never lived with us. I needed to find out who he really was. So I set out on a journey to see his buildings and to find whatever was left of him out there. How are you? Good. Good to see you again. Good to see you again. Yeah, it's uh, the midst of the uh, lockdown, I think, with the... Wasn't it? It might have been Yeah. Yes, with the Hunt for Planet B, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, say, thanks for being flexible this, this morning. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, so I, I have to say I was so grateful for the chance last night. We, we, uh, we watched My Architect. My, my girlfriend hadn't seen it before. And, um, I, you know, logged into the Criterion channel for the express purpose of watching. Are they playing the new, pr- uh, restored? Yes. At Film Forum. Yes. Yes. And elsewhere. I know that's going to be a Film Forum, but uh, we're going to get to that for sure. But I I know it's going on right now, so I'm going to get this promote, promoting, promoting it better late than ever. But I I was, I was actually just wondering, um, if, if the, the, if the print that the Criterion channel is streaming was that same restored version. It is. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. Hopefully you could see that. That it, it looked, it, it looked, it looks bright and vibrant. <laughs> it, it's a beautiful, it looks beautiful, but, but, uh, 
you know, just, just double. It's I mean, hard, I, it's hard to tell in that. I thought it looked beautiful before. So, you know. thank you. And yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, well, so yeah, so, and it's at the film forum as we speak right now. I know you had a uh, Q and A the other night with Paul Goldberger. Yeah. Yes. I did. Yeah. It was terrific. It was wonderful. You know, the, the, um, uh, Paul wrote the obituary for my father when he was oh. very young. So yeah, Paul was, uh, you know, nowadays they, they, well, then too, they, they pre-wrote obituaries for, yes, for prominent people. Um, right. but, um, sort of appropriately for my father and his, the, the many aspects of his life, they hadn't done one for him. So when the news came in, because it was a, you know, it was a death that was, well, I mean, no death is planned, right? But anyway, you know, he dropped most, it. Most aren't. Most aren't. In, I don't know in, if you've right. seen Anhit Moner's new doc, documentary. I, I haven't. No, no. But I guess that's 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 true under certain circumstances. Also about a father, you know, and understandably. Um, but uh, so when he dropped dead in in Penn Station, um, you know, he was not properly identified for several days, and then when the identification was made. The New York Times called Paul and he right. had just left the office and said, <clears throat> you know, it has to go out over, over the wire tomorrow morning. So write the obit. So he was a young reporter in his twenties. Um, uh, and he went back in and wrote the obituary sort of, you know, and that was the days of not of word processing, but typewriters. So he typed it out and that was the, that was the way that I found out the next morning as a little boy of 11. My mother and I heard that he was, we got call that he was dead, but didn't know any details. Went to the newsstand the next morning, bought several papers, the New York Times, the Philadelphia Inquirer, and took them home and read Paul Goldberg's obituary. And so that he had written for my, for my dad. And I begin the film with his obituary. So there was a, it was sort of coming full circle to have him there right. with me sitting there and, and yeah. having not seen the film, he hadn't seen the film in, in, in 20 years. So okay. he was watching with you in real time. He, he watched. Yeah. Yeah. And it so was, was, it was a wonderful it? experience. Yeah, it was great. It was just, it, it's one of the things about, you know, a film like this, it changes as you, as you watch it because you change <laughs> and, yeah. and the world changes. So that's been really the most, the most interesting thing in bringing it back is seeing how, uh, reactions change, how my own feelings change, how audiences perceive it now. Um, and feeling that it's a film that can have a life, continue to have a life is the most, is the most thrilling thing of all for me. Because, you know, as a filmmaker, as an artist of any kind, you hope that you connect with people. That's why part of the reason one, one does it. So to know that one is still connecting with something that is, from a number of years back is, is means a lot. Well, this, all those, you know, themes and the, um, the ideas behind the doc, they're all, I mean, they're all still very relevant. People still, still yeah. have complicated with, um, uh, relationships with parents, it turns out. <laughs> yes. It's been, it's been going on for, for a number of years now that uh, one thing, <laughs> yeah, one school. thing, I guess one thing having, uh, watching it now with some distance, uh, between Last time I saw it was may not have been when it first came out, but it was a substantial amount of time ago. Uh, is how much you know the culture has changed in terms of just you know men's having a certain there's a certain like you know level of these sort of you know the gods of architecture and of 
whatever, you know, uh, a certain level of, uh, and, and the amount of power they had and, you know, where they could, I don't mean get away with like they were trying to, or like your dad was trying to, um, play the system in the sense that he knew he could get away with having three, for instance, three families, you know, um, uh, but, you know, given who he was at the time, people under, us, us, us more or less understood or were not surprised anyway, like that this could happen unless I'm mistaken. Whereas I don't think today, like that would, the perception of somebody doing that would be very different. Does I'm that make sure. sense? Sure. No, I think it, I think it would be different, but I don't think, I don't think, um, people, people didn't approve of it then either. Yeah, no, I mean, oh, I some, mean of his, <laughs> some of his colleagues were pretty, uh, blatant. I, I think, well, though, I think, I, I think, I think, yeah, uh, where, well, there is, I mean, there's a generational, obviously there are generational changes and, and much of that is, is for the better. Um, in that, you know, uh, you know, bad behavior is held to account, you know, as it should be. Sure. But, but I think that there are, um, also subtleties in the case of, you know, in the case of my architect, the story that's in, that's contained within it. It challenges you to, to engage with ambiguities. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not, it's not, it does not present, um, him or his world or, or the choices that he made as being, it's not a moralistic vision of that. Mm-hmm. It is trying to look at it with clarity and with emotion, with compassion, um, but also with, um, I wouldn't say judgment, but with, but with a searingly, uh, um, you know, laser focused eye on what happened. So I, you know, as a, I think certainly the people who suffered greatly from the experience were his children and the three of us. Um, it's marked all of our lives. Right. So, uh, which is not to say that the, 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 that the women in his life didn't also suffer. But I think that once again, the ambiguities of these things in this particular case, I am not, I, I, I can't speak for, for, uh, for the world. I can only speak for the case that, that I had experience with, you know. Um, so it, you know, in that case, I think that the, the film is asking you to engage with the ambiguities of these things and, um, that he was a person who people loved and, who loved him and his, the price that he exacted, as my mother says in the film, you know, she paid a high price for being involved with him, for being able to work on the project she worked on. And I asked her, you know, it seems like a, a terrible price to pay. And she said, you know, it was, but, but it was worth it. Right. I don't, that's her voice. I'm not, I'm not, saying it is or it isn't. I'm saying that the film, you know, the film yeah. puts these things out for you to engage with. And yeah, I think I mean, one, I mean, this is, this is part of, this is part of what was really interesting about sort of showing the film again. One, one showing that we had in particular that I, at Film Forum that was really very moving was with a number of students, young people, um, from Parsons. And these are people studying architecture. And afterwards, one of the questions that came up several times formulated in different ways was how, what is a hero today? How, you know, who can we, who can we look up to today? 
And the, 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 there were, the students were really trying to engage with that ambiguity in the sense that we don't approve of what this man did, you know, how he lived his life. Nevertheless, we love the work. How do we square those things? And my answer is that, you know, I mean, there isn't, the, the, there isn't an answer. The answer is the, these are the realities. So in looking at those, at those things, in a way, there's, there, was, there was this kind of safe space within the wonderful environment that is Film Forum, and it truly is a forum, you know. It's a place for conversation. There was a place to talk about these questions of what is a hero today, um, you know, do we have heroes anymore? You know, so these, it, it was, it was really, really, uh, wonderful to think that the film was bringing up those kinds of very complex questions. Um, and there are no easy answers. Human beings are wildly complex. Well, you know, you made the film. You are as subjective a person as could, other than your sisters, your half sisters. Uh, your dad had three different significant relationships, all of which bared one child, right? Three. Right. That's right. One one marriage and, and two children outside of it. You have to see the film to get the whole story. And and with women uh, that he was working with. Yes, right. So he is, yeah, it all makes sense on some level, though, you know. Um, it's 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 hardly like these arbitrary relationships, you know, that he was... Well, yeah, and whether or not it makes sense, it happened. It happened. But <laughs> what, what I was getting to, know. and your sister, either of your sisters made, it probably would have made a very different film. But yeah. this one is amazingly objective in the sense that it doesn't judge your father. There right. are people in the film that do. Absolutely. But the film, it, the, the, the POV doesn't. And considering it's yours, right. that's pretty amazing. But what I also wanted to point out, what I saw at the time, and I don't know the, you know, um, Nathaniel Kahn from 1990 or whatever. What year did you shoot it? It was 20 Finished years. in 2003. Yeah. 2003. So it yeah. feels older. I don't know. It does. It does. Well, his film took yeah. five years to make, so there is material from earlier than that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Good point. Yeah. And what I'm seeing there in that film is a man who's, it's really interesting to rewatch it knowing you a little bit in that, that I saw somebody who maybe was, maybe because it was contextual to the subject matter, but you seemed, uh, sort of, I don't know what's the right word for it, struggling with a certain level of confidence, not in your filmmaking, but personally. Emotional. Absolutely. That's very perceptive view. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Your, your body language, you know, it, it was is, so visceral it this is, time. It's, it's, explain that to me. So, so you're looking at, you're looking at me. I mean, this is, this is one of the sort of amazing things about being or, or extraordinary things and, and unsettling things about being yeah. a filmmaker, you know, and being in one's own film and looking sure. at it later is right. that, you know, we're not terribly aware of change taking place uh, and people will remind you that, Oh, you didn't oh. used to be that way or something. Right, right, right. But, but, and now of oh. course we, we record, we record ourselves and each other much, much more than we used to. Nevertheless, you know, to sort of put it in a context like a film, which is a full container, it's a full thing. And to sort of have it be a time capsule 
and then revisit it 20 years later. It's it's an uncanny feeling. It's disturbing to some degree. It's also sort of, I mean, it's disturbing because you're looking at a different vision of yourself. So you're pointing out, you're, you perceived something about me then that that you're talking about now. And do you see a difference in me now? Or, or are you sort yeah. of just observing them? And, and well, I know, no, yeah, for a big difference. I mean, well, it's also just maturity, of course, right? Sure. Yes, it, I'm also mm-hmm. just someone who's like a little, still somewhat awkward, maybe. Yes. But again, I don't know what you were like outside of the frame, right? Well, that's uh, a, that's a key point, and I think I think that one of one of the things is that there is an awkwardness at you know at any age, but certainly you know, I mean, I was in my late thirties when I was making that film. Right. So, so not a kid, not a kid, right. um, asking the kinds of questions of like, tell me about my father or tell me about my daddy. Yeah, or, of course. You know, we're, we're very, we're, we, we sort of think, ah, oh, God, the kid should get over it, you know? And there were people who definitely treated me that way. Mm-hmm. Then there were one, the ones who didn't because they were more interested in talking about themselves or whatever it was, or, or they genuinely wanted to sort of, they kind of accepted it and wanted to help me. One thing that I found, though, that when I went to India, it was treated as completely natural that at this point in my life, I would be asking the questions of tell me about my father. And that was something that uh, that entire trip remains with me as a touchstone in my life because of the generosity of the people, I, the individuals I encountered, not just the ones in the film, just in general. That I felt all of that awkwardness was gone. That I felt many times in the United well, States. Yeah, you're many right. Times. I mean, I cannot. You, I, I will assume that these uh, interviews, were meetings, maybe were you know, not scripted. Certainly, no, and, certainly not. <laughs> right, and for the most part, probably like you were hearing these reactions. In real time, at the yep, moment, that's right. That's right. It wasn't like you repeat, you discuss things first and then had the. No, did not, did not. No, no. I, I, I assume that you're correctly. always, you're always then off kilter. You're always, oh, always, and 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 I and I court, I court that in in my filmmaking. The worst thing is to do a pre-interview. The worst thing is to know what you're going to talk about and to say, oh, let, let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. I know they do that on talk shows and stuff like that. And you can tell, right. yeah. you know, immediately you can tell, oh, they t- told that story backstage. And, oh, yeah, tell that one. That's a good one. To me, that's completely dead. And it's why I, right. I don't go for that kind of programming. I just find it it's canned, you know. But a, a, a great documentary film. And, and there are so many of them and there's so many amazing filmmakers doing work now, um, who are really hanging it out there and, and find, getting inc- remarkable access. At, you know, I mean, that's kind of the history of the whole thing. But, but to me, the going into a conversation without having met the person and truly not knowing what's going to happen, that's the fun. That's the tightrope of, of this kind of filmmaking. It yeah, makes the whole right. thing worth it. And actually, last night, I did a Q&A with Bob Richmond, who is the cinematographer that I've worked with on a number of films. Yeah. And Bob was going to ask maybe if Sabine was coming. To what, what's that? I was going to ask if Sabine had made Yeah, it. no, no. So it, it, I mean, the, the, the triumvirate there is, you know, I mean, it's, okay. it's you got you got to film it and you got to edit it, you know. So, so um, and there, you know, this film is the 
producing team as well. There are many people behind making up. They're not many people, but the people who are behind this film are all key. But to talk with Bob, um, that's the scariest part for me because, you, as you say, you can't redo it. When you're in the editing room, you can try it a different way and you move it around it. Um, in a way that's scary too, but the, but the very front end of it, when you go to film it, um, it is truly scary. And when you notice exciting scary, but when I go with Bob on, on a, on a project like this, that, you know, there were so many moments in that film that if the camera person had, had not had the true understanding of what we're looking for, they would have missed it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, as an example, the scene, um, when the man on the boat, uh, he, the only person in the film, and one of the biggest problems with a film like this is you tell people that you're coming, they know who you are, they want to say nice things, or they figure out what they want to say. But the man on the boat was the only, Robert Boudreau was the only person who built a boat for the context, mm-hmm. built a boat that my father designed um, that I didn't even know existed. We found it. The producer found it. We, yeah. I, I said, oh, my God, really, a boat? And so we managed to go to the boat Without the man who was the captain, it's a concert barge. It opens up and plays concerts. Um, yeah, it has a whole orchestra associated with it. The guy who was the captain and the orchestra, orchestra conductor did not know that I was that I was coming. Knew I was coming, but he thought I was some kind of reporter. So I was yeah, able to go no the whole time. And he acted like a total jerk. I mean, he didn't want to talk to me. He wasn't interested. You know, he's busy getting ready for his concert. And then... And it's sort of but one he of the also he was the captain, but he was also the conductor. Is that Correct. Right? Yes, he's the captain he's and the conductor. He, he built yeah. the boat, so he, yeah. he had gotten my father to build the boat for him in 1976. It was finished after my dad's death. But so this guy is, you know, really kind of kind of blowing me off a little bit. You know, I got a concert to do, kid. Yeah. And I can't talk to you. And finally, I say to him, and it's, we, you know, you have to wait for the right moment. You can't do it too fast. It's the timing is everything. And I was waiting for this moment because he's the only person in the whole film who didn't know that I was the son of the guy who we were talking about. So I say to him, well, you know why I came today? And he's like, well, no, not really. And I said, well, you know, I'm making a film about Louis Kahn. He said, well, yeah, I knew that. And I said, but I'm his son. And the guy just dissolves, you know, um, in this. Like, room. like, so in the moment. Uh, so in the moment. Process, he hears you yeah. say it processes it so quickly it's as if he already knew it on some subconscious level that's right i totally agree and it turns out he had been and he says well i remember you he has the age wrong he says was six years old i wasn't i was 11 but i saw you at your father's funeral and you were there with your mother and of course i was off in the corner because i wasn't part of the funeral party we were off we were not we were you know personae non grata but we were there but he saw me then and he dissolves and there's this moment and then he, and he kind of reaches across and he, and he hugs me. Yep. But Bob Richman, the cinematographer, now imagine this scene from his point of view. He's, I'm in front of him. He's filming me sort of over the shoulder and then he's filming this person who we're interviewing. And suddenly this thing, this, this enormous emotional thing happens as a camera person. What the heck do you do? Right. The answer is you do nothing. And that is where Bob Richman is, you know, a genius. And if some, if he'd zoomed in, if he'd panned to me, if he'd somehow made some move that, that, you know, that any move, any move with that camera would have ruined the moment, but he just 
sat on it. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to just be. So I wanted to have him there partly because I think it's interesting for people who don't kind of know how these um, films that, that are composed partially of scenes, so-called verite. I mean, I'm not even, I don't, the word is sort of odd anyway, because it's not really direct and it's not really, you know, I mean, everything that happens in a camera, there's something, there's, there's an artifice involved with it. Right. Right. It's not like being a fly on the wall. As Bob says, if we're a fly, we're a really big fly, <laughs> you know, big ugly fly. But nevertheless, a moment like that with a lesser camera person or a camera person, not even lesser, a camera person whose sensitivities are not for the humanity of the moment. Yeah, right. Maybe they might have moved. Technically minded or right. Exactly. Right, right. right. Exactly. Uh, and we, we should mention, though, that uh, Robert, the, the the captain, the conductor, um, hugs hug, is very emotional. Um, yes. As is, which we'll get to in a moment. I was going to say, as is most of the people that knew your dad on projects were, yes. or the ones he interviewed, and he hugs you, takes a breath, and then it just says, "Okay, we'll have uh, enjoy the show." <laughs> what a nice concert! <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. Next. It was, yeah. a, it was interesting, almost comical, but yeah. it was just a, this very powerful moment in the, of, of, of several in the film. And, but I did want to, it's a nice way to segue because your daddy, uh, your dad was rather uh, somewhat enigmatic, obviously. Yeah. Yet, you know, through the footage we see of your dad, and there is footage, of course, and, uh, but we don't really get to know a lot about him. Through that footage, what we get, where we do get is your testimonials, your experiences and the people he worked with. So, and it's amazing how, you know, given what feels like an opaque guy, and I could be completely wrong, of Mm -hmm. course, Mm -hmm. but that that once somebody talks about him, they have strong, strong feelings and, and strong. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and really, and I mean, when you say opaque, it's so interesting because People who knew him felt enormous warmth, enormous connection. Clearly that was there, yes. I mean, I think he was a little like a comet who came, you know, screaming into your orbit. Yeah. And disappeared, you know. But but he's a person who changed the room, you know, and, and made you feel like you were special. I mean, every, everyone is special, of course. And, and he was a person who respected that he was not a remote person or a kind of or an arrogant person i mean there was arrogance to him but he was not a person who he he was interested in the other person genuinely interested in the person he was with and i think that that people who worked with him you know felt that and there is an enormous generosity in that so once again we're back to these ambiguities a person who is so generous and so warm in the moment is also able to be so cold on a certain level. So, so, so tough, so self-involved, so, so concerned right. about the work that he's doing that the human cost while understood. And this is the, this is the point. This is not a person who like just didn't care or didn't notice. Not at all. And that's, that's why I sort of resist the idea of, of, of opaque because he was oh, very yeah. connected, but there was a kind of a steely insistence that work in the end is the only thing that you can count on. And I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I guess what I was, 
you know? The limited footage that we see in the film of him. is someone who's inside their head. I get, you know, maybe a, a cake wasn't. That's a great, that's a great point. But I want to be specific about that. And that, that's about Sabina because, you know, as we work together, Sabina and I, and we had, you know, several troves of footage. And obviously one of the problems with today is that there's so much footage uh, and, and it's, it's kind of soulless because it's just, we're just blanketing everything with, you know, everything's the iPhone, whether it's your meal or it's somebody's funeral or it's a wedding it's all sort of the same and it's all on your iphone and you might lose it one day and think oh my god i've lost my you know my life memories but the reality is we're all recording way too much crap right well yeah so you know so so you know when i say we had troves of material we had a bit but not that much but we did have interviews with him and we had encounters with him and we had you know quite a bit but we didn't choose those things we chose the things where they're exactly like what you're saying. I wanted to try to find the moments when he wasn't thinking about what he was saying or when he wasn't, you know, sort of performing himself, if you will, where he was just kind of being himself and kind of caught unawares by the camera because cameras are good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, so those moments where you say he's kind of interior, you're absolutely right. Those are, mm-hmm. But those are the ones we chose because they seemed like the ones that would present him as a person as opposed to him as someone kind of performing himself or putting himself forward. It was more him unguarded that we wanted. And that, that's, that's what I found most intriguing was how did he walk? How did he, how did he move? How did he, how did he, you know, there's a moment where he's kind of looking confusedly, not sure whether to go this way or that path or whatever it is. And that was such an emblematic moment. We slowed it down. We slow it down in the film a little bit. Use it. In fact, I think, well, we use it just once, but we slow it down. And it's moments like that, that I have enormous suddenly empathy for, for the person. And that I feel really connected to a part that I didn't get to see as a child. So anyway, we made those choices and Sabina was obviously was, you know, a genius at that. And, and she is as, as an editor, she understands those moments and picks them where a person is most revealed, most, most themselves, you could call it most vulnerable, but really it's just most themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, well, right now, my architect is, is still at the film from through, I guess through Tuesday. Is that, is that the through Thursday? The Thursday. A few more days to see it. Yeah. That's good. So yeah. I. We'll get the word out again. again. Yes. And no, it's, it's so great to see big. I mean, we, we, um, restored it. I worked with, uh, with a I was group. going to get to this part. Oh yeah. yeah, go ahead. You, you asked No, no, me. no. No, do. No, no, it was restored by, I mean, the, the question is, you know, what does it mean to restore a film? And, and, um, you can go as far as you want, you know, and I want it to go as far as possible <laughs> just because, <laughs> because I, you know, it's a, it, 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 it's a, it felt like it deserved it. It, it was asking for me to go back and there was certain technology that we couldn't at the time. We made a beautiful 35 millimeter print at the time, but it was from multiple, you know, 2003, but from multiple sources. So the film is at that kind of made at that moment when technologies were changing a lot. So some of it was shot in 16. Some of it was, you know, of course, archival that had been transferred in various ways. And we went back to negative. Some of it was shot in beta SP, you know, standard definition beta cam. Some of it was shot in DV, you know, wow. DV cam. So to kind of meld all those things together and make it seamless was, was difficult at the time. Um, 
we did it pretty well. And then yeah. we did take, you know, a, a film, 35 millimeter output of the, of the, of the film. And then of course you put together with the beautiful score of Joseph Vitarelli, which is such a gorgeous, gorgeous score that was recording. That was a real thrill to record it in Los Angeles. Um, but trying to put all those things together at the time, we did the best we could, but going back to it, there are technologies now available that really allowed us to kind of pull those things apart again into the fields that are, you know, the, the, the video um, signal then was composed of fields. It wasn't, it wasn't a frame. It was, you know, happening twice, twice a frame and being able to stick those things together properly and go from the 30 frames a second of video to the 24 frames and do it really well. So there's no stuttering or jumping there's new technology available. And I worked with a, a terrific, really wonderful artist in his own right, cinematographer, Patrick Lindemeyer at a, a company called Andromeda. Sure. Um, in Switzerland, in Zurich. Okay. Where Sabina is from as well. Um, and he loved the film and just went the full distance of really going back to source materials, pulling things apart again. And we were able to, I think now make it much more, it's more, we didn't change it. But we we um, made it smoother visually, so that things things sort of fit together a little a little more smoothly. Um, but not changing any of the edits. But when you encounter when you have DV next to next to 16 millimeter next to next right. to you know Betacam, it now seems like one seamless one format. Thing yeah, and that so um, that that was a lot. And then the soundtrack too. So a lot was done. Can I? Well, who approached whom? I mean, uh, I know it's being dis- this new, new restored, uh, version, yes. uh, is, was, is distributed by Abramarama and, um, but who, yeah, had it, uh. Oh, yes. Well, I, I know, I know Richard Abramowitz from, from, uh, from doing The Price of Everything together. So he distributed that film. They, they distributed that film and we didn't have that long a theatrical run with the film, unfortunately. Uh, we could have, but. Therein lies a tale, but uh, but but um, with my architect, I wanted to bring it back uh, theatrically and also do the Criterion um, component of do do both things. So I um, decided I would do that, <laughs> and I, I, I approached it from what's yeah. that? Oh, I'm saying the 20th anniversary is the great yes, yeah, 20th anniversary. So I approached yeah. Richard. Richard Richard loved the film and said, you know, we'll we'll do it. We'll take it out theatrically. So bringing a film back, especially especially a documentary film, which, you know, it's, it's very difficult to make a theatrical run in the, for the first time, it's hard enough to bring a film back. It's doubly hard, but I'm so gratified to see that people are going to see it in the theater and film forum has done well with it. And we're taking it around. Abramarama is now booking it around the country. So I hope that wherever people see this, this program, that when it comes to, Your, your city that you'll see it because it really is something that should be seen on a screen projected and with other people. That's the thing. You know, we think with big 60 inch monitors and, and bigger, you know, that somehow we're getting the best possible theatrical experience from these films. But, you know, uh, uh-uh. because so much of what the film is all about is being able to experience something in the dark with a bunch of people that you don't know. Because there's a group, a group reaction, a group experience that really oh, yeah. makes you feel right. part of humanity, you know, and, and that, 
there's, there's, there's a whole element there that happens. It's missing. I mean, it's like, you know, we have stereo, we have five track and we have, you know, 12 track now even, right? Surround and, you know, all this stuff, all of which is great. But there's this other sense that engages when an audience is there that is like our, our deepest, I think, our deepest humanity, which is something that transcends all of the senses and yet also encompasses them all. And it's this sort of social sense of how is this impacting the community? How is this impacting each other? And that's the kind of thing that I'm, that I'm, you know, that I go to the movies for and that I'm thrilled to see is happening when I sit in the room again, you know, with this film, with, with audiences, which I've, which I've done several times now at Film Forum. Well, I hope a lot of people do get a chance to see it. I, I'm not sure it's necessarily a Father's Day film, but you know. <laughs> it is. No, that's a good, that's a good point. Maybe it is. Maybe no. it is. Yeah, no. You know, I, you know, I think dad. everyone, everyone has a complex, dad. everyone yeah. has a complex relationship with, with their parent, whether or not they're, they grow up with them or they don't, you know? Well, exactly. And also, you know, family trauma is a generation, usually generational. There's a, a new documentary out there. I don't know if you've had a chance to see it or maybe you'll be aware of it, but it's called Sam Now. I um, haven't seen it. I'd like to. Yeah, you should see it. Uh, it's, it's directed by a, a filmmaker, young filmmaker, Reed Harkness. And, mm. uh, he's half brothers with this guy, Sam Harkness. And they, uh, I just had Reed on actually, cause you know, I love these types of conversations, of course. And, you know, I love the <laughs> documentaries that are about families and, you know, where emotion and, you know, that where this plays, you know, sort of in the forefront of the story and, no, his his is another. I, I I'll put it on your radar. But it's, oh, absolutely! It's currently like a brand new. It just just came out. It's in theaters right now. So, I'll go see it. It sounds yeah, it sounds wonderful. Yeah. It's really amazing. If you look at the trailer, you'll you'll see what I mean. And um, yeah, so uh, well, thank you for you know agreeing to do this. I mean, this has been a real treat to reconnect with you and and for the opportunity to watch my architect again. All these years later, um, it's, 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 it was a wonderful uh, experience. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So until next time. <laughs> until next time. Thank, no you're conversations you're like this. It, it it inspire me to work harder yeah. Yeah. and make another good film. You know, it's it's yeah. so hard, but it's so great to be able to really talk about what we do together. So thank you for doing what you do. It's it's really it's it's a pleasure to be to talk with you. Oh, I appreciate it. All right, um, all right. Well, I'll see you in Brooklyn. Or yes, I... well, wait, sure. Let's yeah. Let's and do if that. You're up in the Hudson Valley. Let me know. Where where are you? Where, where are you located? Um, I'm kind of like uh, I well, I work right now. I'm in in my at this radio station I work at in Red Hook, and it just turns out like it's a small independent station, so. Oh, I could have come in. I could have come. We could have. We could have sat across from each other <laughs> in Red Hook. You're in Red Hook. No, not the Brooklyn one. Not the, the Hudson Brooklyn. Valley one. The Hudson Valley. Uh, one. How far? How far just away? Down the road from Bard. We're just down the road from Bard College. Oh, okay, sure, right. And I'm up in near Caskill. I mean, I I live nearby. I have a place, but I'm my now I'm like living in essentially a town called Athens, New York, which is mm-hmm. north of Caskill. So right on the river. And my life is, you know, but the thing about the Hudson Valley is it's just you're, 
you know, you're always scooting around from like Woodstock to Rhinebeck to get, cause that's the social nature of, of living up here. So it's like, it's it? almost like yeah. I'm so intrigued by that. So you, so in terms of the, like you go for dinner at somebody's place over in Rhinebeck and then you'll go somewhere. Yeah. Spend an yeah. afternoon picking out somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. You'll go to a show or, and then, um, yeah. So I mean, so it, like if for dinner, typically if you're like neighbors, friends, I mean, I, it's much more like going to friends. I love this, uh, because uh, we're, we're, you know, you, you get dinner invitations now. Like, I, it's, isn't it? Isn't it great? <laughs> yeah, it is nice. I mean, I'm still uh, a little, I'm still a little cautious, you know. But, but yeah. I mean, I don't like the big gatherings. But yeah, well, these I are mean, small. I, like them. I miss them, but you know, yeah. but smaller I had, ones. I had dinner on Saturday night with the the, the executive director of the Woodstock Film Festival, mm. doing some doing some work with them, and that's a really nice festival. I like that festival a lot. Yeah. Um, do you go so, down to Jacob Burns? Do you go to the Jacob Burns Film Center? We're, I'm going to be there Sunday. Oh, at the Jacob Burns. That's in Westchester. Yeah, it's it's not it's not really your neck of the woods. Yeah. But I'm just wondering if you ever go there. It's it's up. Not not since I've moved up here, but um, not, yeah, it's further it's further away for you. Yeah. It's not. What town is that though? I think it's sort of near Marquisco, isn't it? Sort Probably. Of, maybe somewhere in there. Yeah. Not too far. You're showing it there on Sunday. You're showing it there on Sunday. Yep. Okay. It's a great film center. It's a terrific place. Oh, well, love do you have movie. a Do you have a cinema? Yeah, I'd love to love it if you there feel are a bunch. Like yeah, no, there's, there's a bunch up here. There's a bunch, and we should have. Yeah, we should totally have a screening up here. And um, well, we, could, we could do a conversation together. I'd love to do a Q and A with you. Okay. If you feel like I mean, doing that, let me know. I mean, that'd be fun. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll I'll do some uh, some you know recon on it and see if we can work it out. Uh, but, but you should do show it regardless. I mean, you know, if I, sh- if it's shown in a theater and they want to do it, I won't. If there's yeah. anybody up there, if you know, if there's a theater up there, we'd, we'd love to do it. There, love, there love to there, do it. And there's an organization called upstate films up here. And they have a couple mm-hmm. of cinemas, which and they're doing a lot of fun, independent film stuff. And uh, yeah. Great. No, it seems like a very vibrant. That's a very vibrant. How far, yeah. are you from, how far are you from like New Paltz and, and places? Like um, a, well, uh, at, for instance, Athens is probably about. It's a bit of a ways further north, uh, but not that far. I mean, you not know, that far. right? Probably like forty-five minutes, thirty-five. Okay. Minutes. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm. Yeah, I'm closer to like Woodstock, Kingston, Rhinebeck area. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Just look at a map for Pete's sake. I was sorry. I'm just kidding. My, my I'm geography, just, yeah, but it's north of New York it. is bad. Yeah. I mean, I knew the area pretty well, and I would come to the Woodstock Film Festival, and I went to Bard sure. when I was younger. But now that I live up here, I'm just I've totally bought into it. I just I really I got burnt out. Things have kind of stifled. Um, I'll, I'm going to edit out this last portion. Yeah. Of no, sure. And then we can close. Well, you can stop recording too, or whatever. Well, we can say goodbye. Sure, let's, let's do that, and then we'll keep talking a little bit. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. Well, again, thanks again for, um, this was fantastic and, uh, I really appreciate your making the time, but also just being so uh, present and accessible that makes doing this a real joy. Thank you. All right. Great to be with you. Thank you. And scene. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Hi, this is Nathaniel Kahn calling. 
don't think that he was always trying to be a prince. He did not understand it. Isn't it just two strong egos? It's pure ignorance on Lou's part. Did you ever drink with Lou? <laughs> yeah, you should ask my first wife. Did anybody know that Lou had three families all at once? No. That was part of his mystery. No camera, please. <laughs> Catherine Hardwick was on a number of years back on my show, and we just hit it off. It was I, I met her at some hotel in person. That's how sometimes they would the movie company would or the publicist's office would uh, you know they just get a suite of rooms and they would do a press day or a junket as it's called, and that's how I sat with uh, Catherine years ago, and she was just a delight, sweet, fully present. That's kind of the way you want to. Uh, do these things. You know, sometimes you sit with some people and they're not that way and it makes it very difficult. They lose sight of the fact that you're trying to help promote their project. They're not doing you a favor. Anyway, Catherine was really nice. And the name of that film back then was called Miss You Already. Miss You Already, it was, which was a great film. I think uh, Drew Barrymore was in it. And Tony Collette. And Tony Collette is in the new movie. It's called Mafia Mama. It's a comedy. I'll just basically give you the uh, log line here. Tony Collette plays this woman who is sort of in a, in a bit of a rut. She's, you know, kind of being squeezed out of her job, her corporate job. Her son is about to go off to college. Her husband is not the most trustworthy fella. Let's put it that way. And all of a sudden she gets a call that her grandfather has passed away who, oh, who in, in Italy where she actually was born. And has left her a vineyard. Well, it turns out when she gets there, she's going thinking, oh, this is going to be my eat, pray, uh, eat, pray, lead, love, pray, pray. eat, love, pray adventure. (laughs) She goes in with like this idea. She's so deluded, you know, that she's going to go and have the love of her life and all that. So, of course, it turns out that this vineyard, the whole operation is part of the mafia. And she is now the, 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 she's now the capo. (laughs) So it's kind of a fish out of water, (laughs) a bit of a, Comedy. Com- it's definitely a comedy, a uh, spoof, whatever you want to call it. And uh, it's great. It's just a great indie comedy in the great tradition. I was so grateful for the opportunity to bring Catherine on it. So it's opening today, uh, Friday, for the 14th. Uh, Mafia Mama is in theaters as well. And this is my conversation with a returning filmmaker and screenwriter. Not for this project, but in general. <laughs> Sorry. Catherine Hardwick, here on FilmWax. I have terrible news. Your grandfather is dead. I don't even know him. They want me to fly to Rome tomorrow night to settle his affairs. I mean, shouldn't I stay here and work on my marriage? Kristen, start thinking about you. I landed safe in Italy. The Colosseum. Oh, what? Where is it? Can we go back? We have to go to the funeral. What did my grandfather do? What is going on? My dying wish is that you be the new boss of the Balbano family. I've got a lot going on at home. My son just went to college and my husband just cheated on me. You want me to take care of him? No. No. Hi. <laughs> you and I, I actually did one of these, although in person with you, I just saw eight years ago. So we were probably still just in high school, working on high school film projects or something. 
I like that attitude. Yeah. <laughs> Which one was that for eight years ago? Uh, miss you already. Oh yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, how have you been since then? What's been going on? Oh yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is a, um, you know, Mafia Mom was the name of the movie. And, um, one thing I, I took away from it is, is it's about a woman of a certain time in her life and this feeling of uh, being pushed out of a lot of, you know, areas of her life and trying to, you know, get to a point, a very anxious point, trying to figure out what is going to, what she's going to do. Um, you know, she works at this uh, corporation and, you know, she's being squeezed. It feels like, you know, and um really treated poorly there and taken for granted it's it's just a funny idea this fish out of water story in 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 italy right in rome doing something she's never done but where you know she has this great opportunity to invent herself and i was just thinking of back when we talked last time and i do remember we did touch on this a little bit sensitive but we did talk about which was what happened to you after twilight and i just kind of thought oh there's sort of a a bit of a through line there i don't know if that's occurred to you at all or you thought about that or anybody else brought that up i think you know uh i think that's one reason why it's pretty relatable as a woman in this industry or many industries you know you sometimes feel like okay your voice isn't really heard or you could like be pitching your heart out with the coolest idea and people are like eh, whatever you know we'll we'll get a guy to do it sometimes <laughs> but you know in this case you see her she's got these beautiful ideas that will relate to women no 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 <laughs> let's do a jet ski <laughs> so and and then there's a very physical moment where on the Zoom call, they press mute and they mute her voice. They silence her voice physically and they don't even see what she's going through. So that was one of those things. Great comic was, piece, yeah. Oh my God. And then that I thought that's a moment of just kind of collective rage or frustration that you could yeah. see building up in her. And then she's also getting physically assaulted. So Finally, the rage just breaks through. You know, she she's had it. You know, they're watching. They won't even watch her. She gouges at the other guy's eyeball. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's this is a, it, you know a, a cleverly disguised revenge comedy. You know, <laughs> yeah. or, or revenge story. Right. It's masked in this kind of uh, fish out of water comedy, but it's really uh, interesting that it's it's it, it turns out it's kind of a revenge. She she ends up uh, you know without giving away anything in the ending, but she, she sure certainly, certainly becomes a very, very, um, she reaches her full potential, I guess you could say, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's great, some, some great thing when she arrives in Rome, um, she's inherited from her Italian grandfather's passed away. She's inherited this, uh, uh, vineyard, right. Or a wine company. And, you know, she's just there to have an eat, drink, <laughs> love was eat drink eat pray love eat pray love thank you, thank you. <laughs> and drink in this case <laughs> there's a lot of drinking going on yes. but yeah eat eat pray love like she, this is like a really funny thing where she's just takes her a bit a, a few beats to figure out what's going on around her and tell me about uh did you have anything to do with tony collette being uh cast in this well yes because um the movie that we did together miss you already uh with tony uh-huh. Right. Very more. She, we had such a fun time that she sent, Tony sent me this script. She was attached to it first and she said, Hey, do you want to get the band back together? Let's. Oh, 
our same producer was on it, and I was just reading the script, knowing that Tony would be playing this part. And so, of course, I saw it come to life through Tony, you know, and I said, "I'm, I'm sign me up, you know. Loved it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And there is also... Uh, well, I have a couple of questions in terms of like your, your, uh, background with all these mafia movies that have, uh, been produced over the course of decades and the fascination with that. And, you know, where you feel like this story fits in that, uh, lineage or the course, you know, most famous, of course, we know Godfather. It's referenced in the movie, but what do you suppose is this fascination? Because, it, uh, like, it still continues to 2023 here with your movie. I mean, I feel like the stakes are very high in a crime family. You know, it is life or death, betrayal, you know, loyalty, yeah. betrayal. So you have the height, the highest level of drama. In, and that's what we kind of sometimes we want to see on film, you know, drama, something that's cathartic and brutal deaths, but, you know, revenge. So it's got all the elements any kind of a, a mafia movie has. Plus, you've got family. and You've got those ties pulled apart and brought back together. I mean, literally, uh, last night, a, a young woman came up. I've always wanted, at a screening, I've always wanted to be in the mafia. You know, I love this movie. I want to be in the mafia. I'm trying to meet mafia people. <laughs> oh, <my God>. Why? <laughs> That's there. That's there. Um, and then also as an extension of, of that and kind of, uh, oh, there's almost like these shocking moments of violence. They're comical on some level, but they're also very, uh, um, you know, this uh, role kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this role. Well, yeah. And, uh, I, uh, what was your thought about that? Like, uh, was that something you definitely had envisioned? when you were reading it originally or did you think, okay, let's, let's, let's avoid some of this, you know, no, I thought, I thought we should embrace it, you know, because it is a mafia movie instead of just whitewashing it, let's go for it. And let's let this woman, you know, she, she has to get her hands dirty in some ways, you know, is she going to be tough enough to be the mafia mama? I guess. But I also thought just the pure fun, I mean, I love Quentin Tarantino movies. I love Evil Dead. You know, I love all that kind of crazy stuff, you know. So I like it when people scream when they she vomits and gets her phone out. of. I like real um, reactions in a theater, and I've seen it with people now, and people are screaming, and tough guys are hiding right. their hands, you know. I like that user participation. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it, it speaks to the fact this is this movie and it's called Mafia Mama, directed by the very talented Catherine Hardwick. This is gonna hit theaters. It's gonna be in theaters uh as of Friday, April fourteenth. And it's the way to see it. I mean I don't uh I think it's gonna be because there's so many laughs and there is these this gory the moments in it too, that that's something that audiences um that, that really plays well with when you're sitting among other people amongst other people. I think. Right. And I've seen it with, you know, pretty full houses in a, in London and New York and LA. And it's so much more fun when you hear other people screaming and other people like, hi. Yeah. Right. It, it, there's a kind of a contagious thing that happens in movie theaters, which you just quite can't quite have when you're sitting alone 
uh, or, you know, with one or two other people on a couch. Um, it's not quite the same thing. This movie is kind of in the tradition of those types of big comedies that, that I think are fewer and far further in between these days. You know? Right. I mean, I love hangovers, the hangover movies. I love bridesmaids. So, you know, and I love seeing those in theaters and just screaming, laughing, you know, so that's what I wanted to make this a very fun experience uh, like that. Yeah. And do you get the chance yourself? I mean, I, I, I have to imagine it's a little bit challenging for you. Well, uh, to get to the movie theaters. And I, I assume that you, know, you probably attend some number of, of screenings for the Academy or something, but possibly, I don't know. Uh, well, no, yeah, no, I'm an, I'm an AMC A-list member. I try to go to as many movies as I can. I love going to see movies. I'm so happy we're back in theaters. I mean, I've been seeing movies for a long time back in theaters. It's just fun. I mean, of course I love to stream, you know, with the great series too, but you know, I'll do like a movie, come home and stream some, like do it both double, triple on the same day. Love it. It's, it's you, you, um, Oh, this one was presented to you. You were you essentially, unless I'm mistaken, right? You're, you're hired to direct this movie. Well, kind of. I mean, basically when you, when you, you to script, you kind of help develop it. You know, like yeah. there were quite a few things a bit different when I got the script. I said, I want to do this. Let's keep this character alive. Let's do this. Let's add this. We did table readings, you know, and we, you know, Add inf- infused a lot of things. Then we have to go out and sell it to get the money. So, you know, you're not just, I wasn't just hired. Hey, you know, I had to do a Got lot it. of work right. to get it made too. I understand. Right. When you hire Captain Hardwick, that's what you're, you're sort of <laughs> going to get. You're going to get a, a more of a development because you have written screenplays. Yeah. yeah. You, is that a part of, do you consider yourself like a screenwriter as much as a director? You know, I love both. I mean, I love, yeah. I've got something original that I wrote that's I'm working on right now. And, oh, great. I, and of course, 13 was written and, you know, created. Nikki and I wrote that together. So, you know, I love both. But then this script was so much fun. And then the writers are very collaborative. The producers are collaborative. We had a round table at my house. We challenged yeah. them. Every line in the script is this, could this be funnier? Can we do this? Like the girl at the beginning that's having sex with her husband, you know, she was just a normal like bimbo. No, let's make her a feminist. Let's make her a, a you know, a, the yeah. guidance counselor. So we kept, you know, raising, you know, adding more originality wherever we right. could surprises. Yeah. yeah. It was, I forgot about that. That's what was really uh, clever actually. And, um, and so, and the producer of this film, or one of the producers, right? This was their concept originally, correct? Right. So they, of course, have been at that table that you're describing at your place. Amanda Stairs was at that table. Oh, sure. She's very uh, collaborative too. Like, Amanda, let's make this funnier. Great, let's do it. Let's make it more fun. What can we do? You know. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it seems like uh, this was. Um, approach in, a, in the, like this the the style of independent film like you know is it you're sitting around your table at, at your place right i mean it is an indie film it we is. sold we sold the rights to all the different territories got the I money see. together okay. and made it so it was an indie film yeah so 
it's great that it got into theaters. I mean, it's because of your, you and, and, and people like, uh, uh, Tony Collette being on board and, and still, uh, you know, honoring that, you know, the independent film and that tradition, you know, that means a lot. And what did Tony, what, what was, what was, uh, her feelings about the character? It's a, it's a little, even in, in the comedy work she's done, there's usually like an ironic or a, um, you know, like a darker strain. Well, it's kind of dark, but there's a darker strain to the characters that she's played uh, to my memory. Although if I go all the way back, maybe there are some exceptions now that I think about, it. but this one, it really called for a, a, a broader approach. Like she is a ditzy kind of character as well. And she is, you know, like I said, at the sort of start where she shows up in Rome with big bright eyes thinking she's just going to have a romantic affair and that, you know, experience and not realizing what she's getting caught up in. And that's part of the tension of the comedy, but it's a, it's a broader performance. Did you develop that with her too as a director or? I mean, I think we thought that that was a lot of fun that this character that was kind of a people pleaser, you know, and, and also very put upon and, right. and unseen, you could say, or, or neglected or, you know, not respected back at home. Suddenly her best friend convinces her, you know, do something for do you. It. Have this romantic adventure. So that's what she was hoping for. And she's very enthusiastically trying to embrace that. <laughs> but little though she knows she's in the mafia. So I think Tony just went in, you know, like kind of yeah. just went into the spirit of that character. And we did some fun rehearsals with the Italian actors. And, you know, we, we really got in the mood. She was loves Rome. She would walk around the Colosseum every day. She was just soaking up Italy and she loves all the pasta. She loves everything about Rome, just like the character. It was her own fun experience in a way. Yeah. 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 Well, it comes through in the performance for sure. And again, it's just sort of this, these red herrings, you know, you, the film you think is going like her own experiences and the, her character's experience where you think she's, it's going one way and it's something else is happening. And where you know it's 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 there's uh some great comic uh moments in the film yeah i really enjoyed it it's called mafia mama and it opens on friday april 14th is that nation i think that's nationwide yeah exactly two thousand bleaker street is so awesome they're putting it on two thousand screens yeah that's amazing two thousand screens i think something like that yeah gives 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 one hope i mean you know it's hard. You make these, these are the kinds of movies you like to make and they've been neglected. And, you know, I'm not saying they're not still, but it's not as easy to make a film of this size as it used to, as it once was many years ago, you know? Yeah. And well, how do we get it out there and get people to see it, you know, yeah. in the theaters? That's what we're hoping for, you for, know. For sure. For sure. Get people back into theaters and, um, in bigger numbers. And it is like, I'm glad you Brent mentioned Bleecker Street. There's a few companies that are really still committed to movies like this, like an A24 and a few others. But I just, uh, I will wind it down, but I, I do have one, one question for you on another subject, really brief after we're done. So I just want, I would ask you to hang on one second and it won't take long at all, but thank you kindly. And I wish, you know, all the success with this new film. And I want to keep doing this with you with each project. So okay. you, please commit to that right now. And on, on, while we're on camera, <laughs> I want to do it. And also I want to tell yeah. you to dress up like a mafia oh. star because we're having, oh. take a selfie of yourself. Oh. 
post it to uh, hashtag Mafia Mama because we're going to have a contest who comes dressed like the best Mafia boss. So that's a great that's a great idea. Send it to bleak to to hashtag Mafia Mama. Oh, yeah. Hashtag Mafia Mama. That makes sense. And and we are not glorifying or glamorizing, of course, the mob. Well, just the mob style. I've got I my know, mom. I know. Yeah, uh, nails, you know, you can get your sure. nails. The long nails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, yeah. I'm just kidding. I just made the disclaimer because, you know, <laughs> one one feels responsible to do it. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. No, no, no. We need someone who's level-headed, <laughs> unassuming, and empathetic. Did you just call me pathetic? We are in the middle of a war with our enemies, the Romanos. We have to kill those Romanos before they kill us. It's just like the Godfather. Oh, right, yeah. I never saw the Godfather. Okay, look, it's really hard to find three and a half hours. How are we supposed to appear strong when she is this? You look like a librarian. Finally had Italian men yet? He tried to kill me. He what? You're the boss. Well, the boss takes care of business. I made nothing. I am tired of this war. My family is tired of this war. Oh my gosh, TripAdvisor does not lie. Can I get another scoop? I'm still in the dark here. No, no, it's a, it's a figure of speech. Okay, well, that's the show, guys. Thank you guys here at Radio Free Rhinecliff at Matt Rosenberg and Jen Hamoud for all their help and their uh, support. It's been a pleasure as always. And we'll be doing uh, next Friday. We'll have another episode to go. Can't wait. Me too. Thanks so much. Okay. And have a have a good week. Stay cool. I and hope so. I'll see you. You know, <laughs> next next week we'll have probably have to be just digging ourselves out of some sort of uh, storm, knowing how. Definitely. All right, man. Thanks a lot. <laughs>